This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too. They got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music. Like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, and it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Love of the Star mailbag. Got a few questions in here. Uh, First one from DJ Rocket. He's asking, is there any chance – Undrafted free agent T.J. Bass makes this team, do you think? You know, it's funny. I was looking down at the names of guys that could compete for spots, and T.J. Bass was one of those guys that I know I had him on my draft board. I know I had him as a late round. I was surprised the kid didn't get drafted, to be honest with you, uh, you know, uh, out of Oregon there. And the fact that he could play some guard. And if early in camp, if we're kind of going through that period of, oh, wait, Zach Martin has missed this practice or missed that practice or, you know, they're giving him rest or trying to get, you know. T.J. Ba- uh, Bass was one of those guys that I kind of felt like that the organization liked. And, you know, when you watched him in the OTAs and the minicamp, he was getting some opportunity. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, could he outplay, like we said, could he outplay Adoga? Could he outplay Josh Ball? Could he, you know, I mean, maybe you have a young group of like awesome Richards, uh, Matt Willetsko, and and TJ Bass could be like that young group. Maybe, maybe he's the if they carry ten guys, that he's the tenth guy that uh, that they 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 keep on that roster for the offensive line. So yeah, yes, I think de- he does have a possibility. Yes, absolutely, he does. I, I think definitely. I think if if you've got an undrafted free agent offensive lineman who's young and is showing you ability um, and is showing you flashes, I don't. Th- I, I think the Cowboys wouldn't hesitate to say, "Well, if this is going to come down to Chumi Doga's spot or T.J. Bass, yeah, let, let we kind of know what Doga is, even if we we did bring him in mm-hmm. here." Let's not risk letting this guy go because we already know what he dog is. This guy's showing us some flashes. I think that that would be something. 
let's also think about Bass too, Bobby. If he's one of those guys that does show up, but Adogas look good too, there could be we, we like to use the word around here surplus. Maybe yeah. that's it. And there's a guy that you know he didn't like. I mentioned he didn't get drafted, but maybe there were some teams that thought about him late in the draft, and all of a sudden you're you're looking for a linebacker depth or a running back depth, or another position depth. Maybe your offense and defensive linemen then become those, those, uh, those pieces that you can move to go get, you know, that surplus piece to go get somebody else. Uh, next question here from Mike Hill. He says, with the changes on the offensive staff, what differences might we see in formations, use of motion, and personnel uh, I, so first off, I'll, I'll just give a couple things that stand out to me before we do that. Um, in terms of personnel, I think you are going to see more. I think there's a shot a fullback makes this team. Yeah, me too. I think that yeah. I think Mike McCarthy. Hunter Lipke's got a good shot. Yeah, Hunter yeah. Lipke's got a shot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Mike McCarthy is naturally going to be more likely to use a fullback than Kellen Moore was going to be. Kellen Moore, uh, his biggest influence early in his career was Scott Linehan. And Scott Linehan is often cited as one of the people who really tried to modernize the single back, you know, offense and then kind of take fullbacks off the field a little bit. And so that is is one thing that you will probably see as a change. In terms of motion, I know people were always asking for more from Kellen Moore. And I know that, you know, plenty of West Coast systems incorporate motion and use that sort of stuff. If you go back and look at Mike McCarthy's history, he was not always one to use motion. Now, one thing you can say, Aaron Rodgers has given interviews several times before where he says he does not he like does not want mo- He does not like motion. He wants static. He wants to be able right. to look at it and know what he's got. Right. And so because of that, that may have been why Mike McCarthy's offenses were more like that. It's because he was deferring to his quarterback. Um, but we don't know. That may be Mike McCarthy's philosophy as well. Um, so not sure how that'll play out here in Dallas, but the evidence we have from Green Bay was they didn't run a lot of motion. They were not, you know, at the top of the league in that. Um, they they like to keep things kind of static. But other than that, Brian, anything else that you think stands out maybe in a personnel difference or anything other than fullback and maybe a little more static? No, I think you're absolutely right. I think you'll maybe see a lot more maybe 12 personnel stuff too. You yeah. Know? I mean, everybody, it, it you know, when you're trying to figure out what an offense is going to do, the the really the buzz phrase two three four years ago was about motion, you know motion, and then it became play action, and then it became, you know I me personally I think the biggest changes that we're going to see in camp, to be honest with with this offense, Bobby, is trying to establish some type of deceptives game, and I mean deceptives, I mean screens. They have got to they have got to develop something or a way to get the ball in these running backs' hands, you know? They've got to figure out a way to get Deuce Vaughn in the in space or get uh, you know, to get Davis in space, you know, get Pollard in space. You know, they we're going to we're going to be watching practice and I guarantee you there's gonna be periods of them practicing running screens. You know, this team just it was it was one of the worst teams in the league last you know last two three years when it came to running screen passes. So yeah. to me, I could see a difference of trying to incorporate more of those deceptives 
in this offense as we're going forward. 12 personnel, deceptives, fullback, those will be the biggest difference of this when your offense is on the field, I think. Next question here from James. He says, what do you think are the top two questions the Cowboys are hoping to get answered during training camp? And Brian, I don't know about you. I think uh, number one is, I mean, honestly, it's probably three. There's three of them, I would guess. Number one to me is they got to figure out what their offensive line combination is going to look like. So that's yeah. the big thing for them. They want to know who who's going to fit in where. I don't know that they know for sure what they're going to do yet. I think they are going to open this up to a little bit of competition. Yep. Um, they they obviously want to make sure their kicker spot is solidified. Right. That, that's a big part of it. And then if you want to just drill down to a specific player, I think they really they really want to get some answers on Jalen Tolbert, who we've talked about today already. I think you nailed all three, Bobby. Really I really do. Yeah, I do. I feel like you know you need to figure out you need to figure out what's this offensive line going to look like with. Tyron Smith at left tackle, Tyler Smith at left guard, is Farniak the backup? You know what's happening with uh, what's happening with Steele on the right tackle. You know they've got to figure out the combination that they're going to go with uh, for that offensive line. I I totally agree with you about uh, the Jalen Tolbert stuff. I totally agree with you about that. We talked about that earlier. There is going to be a real push to see. You know, I I don't think there's going to be problems with Lamb or Cooks. Gallup, we'll see about trying to get him going. But they really need to find out about Jalen Tolbert if he could be the legitimate four here. And if that's the case, then it's good for the team. And then we're going to have a kicking competition. You know, which one of these kickers in a, on a windy day where – you know, we're there in, in Oxnard, and we all know how when they kick field goals, that wind can come over the top of those trees. It can make kickers look really bad. It can blow the ball all over the place. It's a really kind of a neat kicking environment just for testing your kicker. Yeah. And I think you're going to learn a lot about uh, those attempts. Not only we'll be monitoring them, and I guarantee you people will be tweeting about them, myself, Todd Archer, everybody involved. Oh, well, he was seven of eight. No, they were six of yeah. nine. They were the misses came from, you know, every time there's a kicking situation, a competitive kicking situation, somebody is going to be charting kicks. And I think that will determine who your kicker is going into uh or into the fall. Or it might not be either one of the guys that are on the uh the field like we saw last year. You know, it was a late it was a late ad with Brett Maher that, you know, won the kicking job. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't initially there at camp. So we'll see how it plays. And then uh, last question here from Randall Walker. Brian, what are some of your all-time favorite storylines that popped up in the middle of camp that you weren't necessarily expecting? So as an example, he says, you know, Cole Beasley's story his rookie year. Yeah. Uh, a guy that, that kind of came on the scene. Is there any story that stands out for you as like, hey, that was that was kind of cool when that guy came along? Well, while you get that one together, I'll tell you the one that stands out to me instantly that in recent memory where it was like, hey, that was kind of cool. You didn't you never expected it, and this guy came along and contributed to for you for a couple years, was when Antoine Woods got into camp and and you know made an impression really early at the one week and then stayed here as a contributor for two years where Antoine Woods, they gave him number 64, which that's kind of, you know, they're yeah. not expecting you to make the roster when they throw you that number of defensive tackles. So 
I remember nobody was talking about Antoine Woods. They thought he could have been a first round of cuts kind of guy because nobody really knew anything about him for him to step up and, and be somebody who contributed for this defense for two years. Uh, that was, that was a cool one to see. And, and he was always somebody that I thought was easy to root for because of his personality and everything. Yeah, no, I, I think that the, that one to me is a, is a really, really, really good one because I remember Nate Newton giving him the nickname, the human log, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he was a very difficult guy, uh, to move. I mean, there's been, there's been guys that have shown up at training camp before. And, you know, I, I think about, you know, it always seemed like there was always a wide receiver. You know, there was always somebody that, uh, you know, that all of a sudden you're like, you know, wow, where did this, you know, where, where was this guy on the board? Where was, well, you know, hell, Tony Romo was that way. Yeah. You know, I mean, Tony Romo was when I, I know I, I was working in scouting at the time and, you know, Chris Hall did a great job of, of keeping Romo's tag right there in the fifth round on the board, you know, and I was thinking about, you know, where he, where he started and, you know, there was a lot of like for Tony Romo, but you didn't know how he was going to perform. Patrick Creighton was another one. Creighton's a great name. Pat, Patrick Creighton was a name of a guy that, you know, you really, you know, it was one of those, you didn't know what you were really going to get in Patrick Creighton. Yeah. You had an idea about Patrick Creighton and what he potentially Miles Austin. I mean, you could just kind of go through the the names. I mean, Jim You know, Barry. you know one they missed. One they were really high on in training camp and then he didn't make the roster and he had a great career after that. Jimmy Smith? Well, Jimmy Smith. That goes way way back. Yeah. That goes way back. That was the second round. He was considered a bust. He was a second round bust. Yeah. He, he was. No, Danny Amendola. That yeah. The guy who they had in camp and they like they liked it. and Terrell Owens, I remember, referred to him at a training camp interview one time, called him the human water bug. And he's yeah. like, he just he's so shit you can't do like, he's yeah. so shit you can't get him. And then he got released and then he ended up making an impact around the league. But those are the kind of stories that are always good. I, it I, always I, seems like it's it always seems like it's uh it always seems like it's a guy that was a late pick that you weren't even really thinking about or Somebody that that was a like I said that you know Miles Austin was Jim Garrett you know Mammoth College you know backyard of Jim Garrett you know and worked with the kid and all that and then you know ends up having this you know having a pretty decent career but it yeah. it, it, it seems like there was always but Antoine Woods is a really good one too because nobody was really really sure it's when you're really not sure you're like well okay let's let's bring this guy in and see how he plays. And the next thing you know, he's like, like he's contributing as a starter, which is pretty impressive. I'll tell you, he didn't, he didn't get a lot of praise in training camp at the time, but in terms of, wow, he made the roster and then, wow, he's starting. This wasn't good. The guy who turned it around, if you want to look at the, the 10,000 foot view, that was Terrence Steele. I didn't even know if Terrence. Steele I know that's that's in 2020. Yeah. Terrence and, Steele. And they stuck with him and he's a good player now. Terrence Steele was so poor in that senior bowl, you know, with the way he played and all that. And you're just kind of like, man, you got to give him a lot of credit. And I, I trust me that when I go to the lake one day, when I'm done doing all this and someone's going to ask me about that, they're going to say, what's the guy you really were the most wrong about? Terrence Steele is going to come to the 
forefront of my my names of of guys because like I said you know they missed him at right tackle they really and if they talk about moving him to guard or someplace else you know shame on them because he's a right tackle he might not be the strongest but him and Zach Martin together makes that running game better on that side and if you could throw a guy like Luke Schoonmaker over there too and they all work together you're going to have some you're going to get some push off that right side uh, with those three guys working together. That does it for us here today on the Love of the Star podcast. Thank you again so much for listening and the next time we come to you guys we will be in Oxnard, California. Uh, there to update you about the practices, the Jerry Press conference, whatever else is going on. There's always uh, th- th- there's never a shortage of storylines out there. We'll have a lot to talk about. We're all looking forward to it. Uh, Until next time, for Brian Broaddus, I am Bobby Belt. We will talk to you guys later.